Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to The Cheats Movement on WRIR. I am your host, Cheats, and I've got to start by saying happy 4th of July week. It is Tuesday, July 3rd, so we are one day away from fireworks, baseball, fun in the sun, and let's not forget the Nathan's Hot Hot Dog Eating Contest. That's right, the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest, which has made legends like Kobayashi on ESPN and Joey Chestnut made those guys extremely relevant. It's all because 4th of July week. I will say it's hot. It's extremely hot, so make sure you are hydrated. Make sure you are putting your sunscreen on. Make sure you're taking care of yourself. I am excited to be here. This is our second episode on WRIR. As always, you can follow the Cheats Movement. You can follow me on Instagram, Cheats underscore MWC. That's Cheats, C-H-E-A-T-S underscore MWC. And you can follow everything else on the Cheats Movement on Twitter, online. We do a daily blog post that brings you the best of current events in regards to national stuff and things that are happening right here in Richmond. Unfortunately, my co-host, my ace, GG Broadway, is not with us this episode. She has started her 4th of July week a little bit early, so she is enjoying the fun in the hot, hot sun already. But we have an amazing episode for you. We have an interview with none other than Richmond Rough Riders owner, co-owner. He's a part of the ownership. Diplomats own Jim Jones. So we talked to Jim Jones Saturday afternoon. So this is right before, a couple of couple of hours before the Rough Riders' heartbreaking loss in the Arena American Arena League football championship. We were at the game. We could not believe it, but we've got a special interview with Jim Jones of Diplomats fame, of hip-hop culture fame, and now an owner of our very own Richmond Rough Riders. We also have an amazing interview with best-selling author Torre, former MSNBC host. He brings us a lot of uh, information and knowledge as we talk about hip-hop, we talk about politics. He, he talks a lot about the current state of politics in our nation. He talks about the Trump administration. It's an amazing interview with one of the best writers in the business, Torre. So we've got an amazing show. We've got Jim Jones. We've got Torre. And then I'm going to be asking you, the listener, to email me uh, your comments on certain things that have been happening in Richmond, like GRTC Pulse. I haven't been able to ride the pulse yet. I'm sure you might have. So I want to hear your feedback. I want to hear your feedback on what's happening in Richmond with pulse. The Monument Avenue Commission came out with their feedback. And it's a 115-page report. It's over 100 pages of a report in regards to what the future of Monument Avenue could look like. These are just recommendations from the commission that have been doing uh, just about a year of work the report came out. It's gone to Mayor Stoney, and Mayor Stoney is going to now decide what's next. So just so much going on in the city, good, exciting things, and then things we have to be concerned about as well. And so many things happening in the nation. Obviously, LeBron is to the Lakers. Drake's got a new album. Things are just going at 100 miles an hour. So sit back, relax. This is the Cheats Movement on WRIR. But first, 
as always, Dipset. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Cheats Movement on WRIR. It is Tuesday, July 3rd, one day before the 4th of July weekend. I hope a lot of you are going to enjoy a very long week. If you if you got Wednesday off, why do you have to go to work on Thursday and Friday, right? Just take Thursday and Friday off. Take Saturday and Sunday off. Make it basically a week off of work. Have yourself a good time. Have some fun in the sun. Maybe go out of town. Maybe not. Maybe... You ride the GRTC Pulse, and that is my first We See It or We Don't See It. We're going to start this episode off in an abbreviated version of We See It because my partner Gigi Broadway is on hiatus this week. But I'm going to ask you, the audience, do you see it and do you or do you not see it? And you can let me know through your emails. Email me, thecheatsmovement at gmail.com, or you can make a comment on my Instagram or you can make a comment on my Facebook. Have you rode the Pulse? What has your experience been? I am dying to hear your feedback on Pulse. I will say it came out today, I believe, the actual numbers for Sunday through Wednesday, and it just obliterated, like just shattered the goal. It just doubled in many ways the goal that GRTC was expecting. I think they had slated a goal of about 3,500 daily riders. On Sunday through Wednesday, there were over on Sunday there were over 6,000 riders. Uh, I believe Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, I believe it was over on Tuesday there were over 8,000, over 8,500 riders. Just completely exceeded every expectation that GRTC had. Now, the interesting part about this is what has the actual experience been? I will be the first to tell you, I have not rode Pulse yet, so I am looking forward to doing so. I do know those early numbers are the free rides, right? Those are the, anyone could just get on Pulse, ride, and get off, and just have the experience. Starting this week, I believe that, you know, it's the regular bus fare, so I'm assuming the numbers will go down, but from what I am hearing in regards to what people are experiencing, what people are thinking about it, it has a lot of potential. I'd be interested to see in regards to individuals that have rode the pulse, what their experience has been. Is it working? Do you think it's going to be a long-term benefit to the city, to the region? There are some pulse criticisms. We know that. A lot of those criticisms actually have to do with the construction, the parking, the changes that they made, the, the distance that riders have to walk down if they're on kind of West Broad Street and they have to go to a different location. So it's an, it, it's not 100% home run, right? Like everything takes getting used to. I am very interested to hear your feedback regarding is Pulse working? Is Pulse good for the city? What needs to be adjusted? What doesn't need to be adjusted? Uh, as it stands right now, it definitely seems, as Michael Paul Williams said on the first podcast, you can go back and listen to it, Pulse seems like an RVA project. It doesn't seem like a Richmond project. It seems like an RVA project. I'm not saying that's a good or bad thing. Some people may. What I'm saying is it definitely is a future-looking project, and I don't think they consulted uh, you know, those long-term residents of Richmond before they did it. So 
Is it working? Is it not working? I'll be very interested to hear from you. Let me know what you think on that. Moving on, you can't really talk about what's happening in our country without the bombshell news uh, regarding the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court has been making a ton of news um, last week, and obviously it started with upholding President Trump's travel ban. It was a very close vote. There were some really uh, just strongly worded opinions on both sides of it. But it was a 5-4 vote to uphold President Trump's travel ban. And then by right when the, the world and the country is digesting that, they get hit with the news that Justice Anthony Kennedy is going to retire. Effective, I want to say, July 31st. So this is just, uh, you know, this could change a ton of balance in regards to the Supreme Court that allows President Trump actually to place a nominee that could impact the court he's already got one neil gorsuch came on right that was the obama holdover the the senate republicans held out that uh nomination for over a year um and allowed after the presidential election allowed president trump to already put in one supreme court justice now it looks as if he's going to be able to put in another supreme court justice that really could tip the scales uh on a number of major decisions uh as we move forward So, what are your thoughts in regards to the changing of the Supreme Court? What are your thoughts on the news that the Supreme Court has made in the last week? Obviously, upholding the travel ban. There was a big decision on labor unions. And now the news of Justice Kennedy coming down. It is just major, major changes when it comes to the fabric of this nation. No matter what side you're on, you know me as the host of this. I am... uh, you know, a Virginia Democrat, uh, more progressive probably than a Virginia Democrat. So uh, I am not one that believes that this is a time for us to uh, turn back the clock in certain ways. However, uh, you know, there are elections and elections have consequences. And these elections elected a president that has already put a list of 25 uh, nominees. I think he already said he's going to select from these 25 nominees, all extremely conservative on the Supreme Court. So with that said, let me know what you think. I mean, again, elections have consequences. The president that we have, uh, even though he got less votes, the, 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 the system, an electoral system that set up President Trump to be inaugurated, be in office lawfully. And this is what we have. And this is what we're, what we're facing as we move forward. So what is your feedback on the just gigantic news of the Supreme Court? Let me know what you think. Moving on even more. Do you see or do you not see the new Drake album? Drake dropped. Whether you like Drake or not, uh, he is going to shatter pretty much every streaming uh, record there is, right? This is, we are in the world of streams. And Drake is the king of streams, whether you like his music or not. He released Scorpion, his double CD, last week. And it will be the number one album in the country. Everyone seems to have an opinion on Drake, on Drake's music. I will tell you this. I've listened to the album. I've listened to it a couple times. And I'm just, I'm not a Drake guy. Drake is not my, you know, cup of tea outside of the hits. You cannot deny some of the Drake hits. Like, Drake has some catchy hits, bottom line. But I don't listen to Drake for, you know, kind of emotional 
feeling i don't listen to drake to hear him explain himself on this is happening to him or him dealing with fame no just give me the start it from the bottom give me the hits that can play off in the club and my read of this album while while they do have some uh catchy songs on it it's just not necessarily for me all the time you know there's so there's a couple songs on there that you can play over and over again or you can groove to but that's a lot of songs on that double cd and it's just not for me because drake has never been that guy for me i want to hear from you i want to hear from drake fans i want to hear from hip-hop fans i want to hear from fans of just good music what do you think of the double cd scorpion did drake do enough finally it's a lot going on one of the biggest things going on right now uh is none other than king james going to la we got to brace ourselves people i understand not all of you are nba fans not all of you are basketball fans but you can't deny the biggest star in the nba which is pretty much outside of soccer probably the biggest global sport right uh, and we're not going to talk about World Cup on this show just because I don't know anything about it. Uh, if you know more about World Cup than I do, which is it's just easy because I don't know much about it, send me your emails. Let me know about the World Cup. I'll be glad to talk about it. By the time we're back on the air, it'll be just about over. So let me know about the World Cup, man, but it's just not my thing. The NBA is my thing, and let me tell you, LeBron going to the Lakers, not a surprise, but a seismic shift in the NBA. The Western Conference is stacked. They've got Golden State. They've got Houston. They've got LA. They've got a bunch of up-and-coming teams. The Eastern Conference, outside of the Boston Celtics, are troubled, is the best way I can say it. The entire conference is troubled. Cleveland's going to be trash. You know what I mean? They were in the Eastern Conference Finals last year. They're going to be trash. It's just such a big, big move for LeBron, and I know why he's doing it. A lot of people are going to speculate, but it's pretty easy. LeBron is doing this for his legacy and his family, period. And it is a move for him. He's going to get four years, I think $154 million. He already has more money than he could ever use. He's already been to eight straight conference finals. I'm going to say eight straight NBA finals. He's done it all, man. He's done it all. He's the best player on the planet. He should be making decisions for his family. He should be making decisions for his children and his legacy and this in in LA his legacy of social justice his legacy of education all the things that he's doing the man gave a thousand scholarships away or something something like that those are all going to be magnified in LA and he deservingly so anybody that ever says the social impact of a guy like Michael Jordan who didn't say anything or Tiger Woods that didn't say anything you've got a guy in LeBron James that says a lot He may not say exactly what you want him to say. He may not do it the exact way you want him to do it. But he's spoken out on social justice issues. He's done everything he can do, in my eyes, to be a leader in the community. And he's just, I mean, he deserves the right to be happy when he's playing basketball. And he seems like he's going to be happiest in L.A. So let me know what you think on LeBron James going going to the L.A. Lakers. Showtime is back. He will never be Magic, he will never be Kareem, he will never be Kobe, but he can try to chart his own course in L.A., and we're going to see how that goes, starting in just a few months. That is We See It for this week. Make sure you let me know what you're seeing, let me know what you're thinking. You can email me, as always, at thecheatsmovement at gmail.com. 
we will be back with our special interviews. We got two special interviews. Jim Jones of Diplomats and the Richmond Rough Riders and best-selling author, journalist, former MSNBC contributor, Torre. We'll be back after this. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, this is Cheats from the Cheats Movement on WRIR. We have a special featured guest in the building. Yep. Co-owner of the Richmond Rough Riders, possibly back-to-back champions. They're going for it tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, Jim Jones in the building. Jim, how you feel? I'm feeling pretty good. You're real good. Let me talk about this. Because everybody always talks about ownership. You've always been big on entrepreneurship, building your own brand, building your own business. You've leaped into ownership of a football team in Richmond, Virginia. Why Richmond and, and, and how does how is that making you feel? Is it just a, just another level? Um, I was I uh, uh, was paid to uh, come perform at last year's halftime performance for the championship game. And when I got in the building, I was overwhelmed. So I asked my management to find out exactly what's going on, if there was a way we could be involved any further. And um, we worked out the ownership deal. Uh, just coming in the building, trying to do a few things. I asked a few NFL players um, how they felt about me taking a position of co-owner of a, a arena football team. And um, the most important thing they told me is that uh, the NFL looks at a lot of uh, arena football team tapes to see if there's any players they might want to bring up to the NFL. So, and lo and behold, uh, Halfway in the season, one of my uh, players got picked up by the New York New Giants. York Giants yeah. So I proved my theory that uh, we got to wait for uh, people to fulfill their dreams. I don't believe it's going to be easy, but there's definitely opportunity for you to get in the NFL without having to go through college or get drafted or anything like that. So, you know, and I tip my hat to the Richmond Rough Riders. A uh, good bunch of kids, aggressive group. Um, all they know is win, win, win. Um, I seen them with their back on the wall, persevered, and now we're in the championship again. Um, so, you know, I tip my hat to them. Tonight is a big game for them. It's a big game for the sport of arena football. Um, this year has been a, a, a testing year for me to actually understand everything that goes on, the ins and outs of the business, the ins and outs of the sports, and how can I uh, build on it, bring different uh, layers of, uh, of advertisement to it, uh, get some brands involved, get some big names involved, get some other people involved with some ownership and, and see if we could... Uh, take this league into the next level that's a good point because obviously everybody knows your entertainment background and it's not just a background it's a background of doing it yourself from video directing to, to making everything happen what have you learned from this experience in regards to uh, just things that may be different from the entertainment industry to the sports industry um sports well I was looking at a more of an aspect of what it would take to fill up these arenas um, mm-hmm. sports and, and my side of the game are pretty much the same thing um put the best athletes out there that attract a lot of people so you could sell some tickets and make some money and that's what I was uh, studying um, how to fill up these arenas and I got a, I got a good uh, blueprint of what I should be doing next year to uh, bring a lot of people out. And not only the people bringing out, you have an interesting motivating tactic, it's all over the gram, how you motivate the player of the game. Oh. Uh, unique, right? A new aspect to this. Yeah. What is it about uh, giving, like, how do you motivate those players, especially going into tonight, the championship game? Is the motivation different? Is the motivation going to be uh, verbal or financial? How are you going to hook it up tonight? Um. Nah, the the motivation is just the, the morale. When I come in the building, I help build the, the players' morale, man. I want them to feel as comfortable as they can going on that field so we can get the best results out of it. Um, They've been practicing hard. They've been going hard. Uh, 
my motivation is kill, kill, kill. <laughs> you know what I mean? And everybody gets rewarded for a kill, so that's the same attitude we going out today. No, no retreat, no surrender. We ain't taking no prisoners. We just trying to kill everything moving on the field in a sportsmanlike way. You know what I mean? And I pray to God that we come out with a chip and they don't have to deal with us. This is the last question we're gonna get. We're with Jim Jones. Uh, new album is out, Wasted Talent, but I'm going to talk to you about what you're doing here right now at the Southside Community Center. Uh, it's with the U.S. Army, and you're giving back to the community. That's something that we, we need to see more often. You've always been big a proponent of giving back to the community. Why is that such important? Why is it so important for you to be with the U.S. Army and to be with the South, at the Southside Community Center? Um, my giving back to my community has probably been the most unconventional way of giving back. Just me being out there and, and doing what I can as far as helping the community with whatever, with the kids, for whatever it be trips, the haircuts, the sneakers, just being out there. Um, partnering up with the Army is a way to people to understand that this, what I do to the community is a real thing. And they can see they can see me in a, a, a numerous amounts of from on the Internet to the IG to everything that the Army has to offer. Army is a big platform and the kids in our community don't have what we had when we was coming up. I can remember when I was coming up, there was a lot of community centers. There was a lot of basketball tournaments. I mean, in the summer, it was filled up with so many things that you could do that we was tired by the time we got home. And as the years went on, we don't see that anymore. We don't see too many community centers. We don't see too many basketball leagues. We don't see, we don't see all the things we had growing up. So to get with the Army and put something back in the community and help giving the kids something to do instead of being on the streets and going in the right, wrong direction. I mean, it's so easy to follow follow suit in the street, you know what I mean, without nobody leading in the right direction. And I think this is a great deal for the Army to step in and start doing things for the community. Even though they've been in the community for a long time, but people like myself, with the help of the Army, makes it that much more more, more influential, you know what I mean? We're going to have to wrap it with that, ladies and gentlemen. Jim Jones, tonight is a championship game. we got to wish Coach Mook Zimmerman, that's my guy, Mook mm -hmm. Mook. Mook. we got to wish him and all the Rough Riders the best of luck tonight, and we're going to be back-to-back -back champions. Yes, we are. All right, thank you, Jim, for your time. Appreciate you. Cheats moving on WRIR. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. This is the Cheats Movement on WRIR. This portion is brought to you, this is our feature interview portion, and is brought to you by Richmond Grid. We are very excited to have on the line a award-winning, best-selling Arthur, uh, a historic legendary journalist, a TV uh, community kind of cultural commentary, if you will, uh, TV personality. Legendary, one and only Torre. Torre, welcome to the show. This is the Cheats Movement on WRAR. Welcome. Hello. 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 How, How are you on? doing? You are on. Now, after an after an intro like that, like that only go down. <laughs> no way. No way. We're just about to look. We're just gonna get into this thing. And obviously, you've seen a lot. You've done a lot. Uh, and you're always kind of here and now with your commentary on culture and your commentary on society so the first question i'm going to ask you is just like we are in a very special moment in 2018 in a number of different facets when you think of kind of the moment that we're in when you're when somebody your kids years from now and kind of ask you to describe this moment what do you think of first um well i mean i think this moment is about trump and about the divisive you know difficult you know evil 
immoral, you know, uh, untruthful <laughs> era that he has spouted, that he, where he's making racists feel comfortable to come out and show themselves and maybe feel justified, you know, where we split up families, where, you know, he's constantly standing up for white people and, um, you know, stepping on black people's necks in order to protect white people. I mean, you know, even now we have the craziness of them defending the right of a white baker to not have to make a cake for a gay couple because that's his freedom of speech to not do that. But then uh, black NFL players who want to protest police brutality, they do not get freedom of speech. And they're just trying, you know, there's all this sort of gaslighting and division and uh, elevation of white supremacy and white entitlement and white victimhood and white privilege that is all sort of going on and, you know, the ripping apart of American democratic norms. Um, you know, these are the things that are going to last and are going to potentially have a lasting impact on the country um, and are going to dominate this sort of, this sort of moment. And, and to think about the things that, an historian, like you think, the way that 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 you know Robert Cairo, right, like breaks down like almost every day of the you know Johnson administration in his books. Sure. The guy, the the man or woman historian who comes along and says, "I'm going to do you know in 2040 the definitive Trump biography," like you would have to talk about so many ridiculous tiny like weird pop cultural things like it's like a low cultural sort of undertaking right it's not even i mean i i, I don't know i i find myself fairly consistently embarrassed um for the nation and in front of the world at you know what he does what he knows the sort of person that he is i mean i i, I didn't think that you'd find somebody who had like no redeeming qualities. I mean, generally <laughs> people have somebody has some, I mean, like, you know, he's sure. a horrible person, but you know, like, well, like yeah, he's let me bad. ask you this. What is more dangerous in your kind of, in your read of the culture right now? Is it the fact that the president is like doing these things and saying these things and the, in kind of the, looseness with you will of the truth or alternative facts is that the, the, was what the president doing kind of the scariest thing or is it as a, I want to say Soledad O'Brien said like the fact that we're kind of normalizing this extreme or both I mean, <laughs> I, 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 I mean you know for me you know it's very scary to be a black person during this administration and you know, the encouragement of white supremacists and racists. Um, and, you know, the just the lack of protection that we are getting from the Department of Justice, uh, you know, the lack of uh, care that we're going to get from Congress. You know, I mean, just this is a presidency and an administration that is clearly not here for us in policy or in rhetoric. And we have mm. to find a way out of it. Mm. Um, and, you know, how, so how do you, I mean, you're, you're kind of seeing this and we're all kind of seeing this in real time, but in, in real time, 
what in your mind is the most effective ways um, that kind of society can kind of push back? We might have seen it a little bit with, uh, you know, the, the Parkland shooting and the, the community reaction or the world reaction from those students that, that stood out. But still, we look at it and legislation still hasn't gotten passed, right? So like, well, I mean, we both know, I mean, we both know that, that right. I mean, that's not a great I mean, government moves slowly, right? Sure. Perhaps, uh, you know, most of the time that's for the good. Right. So, I mean, I mean, Parkland was like a millisecond ago as far as a legislative. Right. And the, and the way that line. Congress moves. Right. I understand. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, I, I, I don't I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. You know, we're in a, we're in a, well, we're, but we're in a new era sure. where the Republican Party is typically in an entirely defensive, shut down, you'll accomplish nothing sort of mode. And, sure. you know, when you have that, it's just, it's just difficult to get anything accomplished at all. Um, and they're having a tricky time now because they're not used to governing because their whole thing was just defending and saying no. Right. So now they're being asked to, you know, to lead. And that's just not who they've been for a really long time. How much of what we're seeing now do you think in your mind is just like a direct reaction still to the Obama administration and President Obama? Um, well, I mean, you know, I think you definitely see a sort of a Obama derangement syndrome on the right where they're just still angry and in shock that he won and they're sort of you know defensive and attacking everything that he did and you know the critique of obama uh makes the support of trump seem insanely hypocritical right Um, (laughs) right you know but you know whatever um but i mean like yeah i mean like you know, look, I mean, you know, the, I feel like the country has a sort of pendulum swing nature to it already. Right. Generally, sure. one president seems like the opposite of the prior president. Um, the problem isn't necessarily that there's a group of people who disagree with Obama and wanted something different. I can understand and accept that. The problem is that the choice that they made is completely unacceptable uh in pretty much every level so so now like the pendulum has just you know become a wrecking ball (laughs) it's just like well sure like gone he he doesn't know how to govern he doesn't care about people um you know he prefers just create division uh and you know play favorites and you know be undignified and i mean uh, you know and not be knowledgeable he like chooses not being knowledgeable i mean like you know i i I think their fear of how bad he could be was greater than the reality because he's such a lazy thinker oh i see i see where you're getting at he he could he could live up to our fear which which in his mind would be accomplishing stuff right but he's a lazy thinker so he doesn't really have any idea what he could accomplish. So this is my last question on this because I do want to get into some other stuff, including your amazing, amazing podcast that is out right Thank now. But how surprised would you be if he gets reelected? 
What um, percentage? Well, I, uh, I mean, I, I mean, I, I can't put a number, but okay. I'd be very surprised because, um, you know, people presidents tend to get their approval rating as their vote share. So whatever his approval rating is in September before the election is, and usually like June before the election is what he's going to get. We're a couple of years away sure, from 20. 2020, obviously, but Trump has been very, very consistent at around between 36, 37 and 41, 42. He never goes much below that, and he doesn't go much higher than that. He certainly never really challenges going above 45%. So not in, not in the reputable polls, right? So, so he's, he's trending toward a complete shellacking. And I just find it hard to believe that his like I know that there were some people who were like, just give him a chance. What could go worse? <laughs> the, the famous Dave Chappelle SNL monologue. Sh- sh- yes, yeah, surely n- nobody was against him and is like, oh wow, look what a great job he's doing. I'm shifting to his side. Right. I, I just can't see any significant number of people being won over. You know, if he'd come in and started you know knocking stuff down and you know creating stuff like you know maybe some people you know if he'd said like you know we're going to create a whole new set of highways and revolutionize the country um you know maybe people would have been like oh my god i really like the guy whatever but like he's you know nothing nothing like that i just think when you come in so polarizing he like staked his whole campaign and now his entire presidency on dividing people and basically suppressing enough people where his base actually wins i think that's yeah. a difficult formula for winning support right like you're saying like it's you know, just I also, it. okay. I also think that 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 there's got to be a group of people who may not be super political like they're sort of the middle but like and they like see the value in trump even as they see the bad and they'll be able to see the bad in the democratic nominee but they'll see their value and they'll really be in the middle but then they'll be like you know it's been four years um, (laughs) freaking out every time you look at your phone and every morning like did this push the button and every time you get out of a movie you're like oh my god did this get the world on fire and a group of people and it may be even one or two percent but who are just like "I i can't I can't live with this tension and anxiety anymore. Right. And it's constant breaking news environment. But, you know, I mean, like Trump's coalition before was fragile. It was smaller than the Democratic coalition. And I cannot see him having won anybody over. So I don't know what he's looking forward to in 2020. With that, let's shift gears. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Torrey. Uh, he is the host of the Torre Show, which we're going to get into. Before we get to the Torre Show, your career has been absolutely fascinating. I mean, absolutely fascinating. And, I mean, from intern at Rolling Stone to now, I mean, it's you're, you can be placed in, the Rolling, in Rolling Stone. You can be placed in, on the Daily Beast. Like, it's all over the place. Talk to me really quickly about, did you always want to be a journalist? How did you get that bug? Um, I wanted to be a writer when I was in high school. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> you say that, um, but it's like uh, I could have also been a basketball player. Like, like I mean, you, I mean, I think you like no, to no. hoop, but no, no, okay. no, no, that was not an option. Okay, um, but um, I wanted to be a writer when I was in high school. I left college um, to come to New York to become a writer. I worked in a restaurant for a little while, but uh, a couple restaurants. But I mean, I was trying to meet editors and writers and figure out how to become a writer and i was interning at rolling stone and just talking to them about how do you become a writer and uh i got i got a little thing going in the village voice and in the source and in rolling stone and i loved it and i just kept going and you know i was freelancing for a while for years and then I got a contract from Rolling Stone and, you know, eventually, you know, I started doing more television as well. And, um, you know, I mean, it, 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 it definitely mushroomed or snowballed rather sure. from like, you know, one little review in the source or one little sure. review in Rolling Stone to like, and, you know, I mean, like, you know, if you get, get if you are given something small. And you work really hard at it and you are on time with it and you're professional with it. Then people might give you a chance to do another such project that would be it writing or anything else. And then another and another. And I just took each of these little reviews really seriously and, you know, filed them on time and worked really hard on them. And people saw that and they kept sort of mush- pushing me up and up and up. And, uh, you know, it's been, it's, it, I mean, you know, I treasure every moment of it so now when you talk about you know that building on assignment building on assignment were you always into kind of figuring out what was happening especially in what we would call like the golden era of hip-hop because a lot of your a lot of your early work or your early writing that you that that you know we've seen and became is just like historic hip-hop coverage in an era that is a historic era. So it was, was it always in the back of your mind? Like, you know, this music well, is a part of my fabric. I want to do this or was it? I mean, some, some of those, I mean, yes and no. Some of those things <laughs> are, are your perspective on them change over time. Tupac. So Tupac got killed in 96 mm-hmm. and Biggie got killed in 97. Okay. I started my career in the early 90s, and this is the mid-90s. Sure. I thought I was late. I missed the party. What? It's over. Like, the the big part of hip-hop is concluded. Big and Pac are dead, and, like, I, I, I'm historically late. What? Um, so we didn't, you know, I mean, I... I I can't tell you. I know at some point after that, it was like, oh, no, this is also a really fruitful, powerful, important era. Um, You may or may not recognize historical as you're going through it. Right. Um, But, you know, you can can see some of it. But I mean, like, yeah, I, I, I mean, like, you know, I come from a time when hip hop was an an underground subculture that it wasn't clear if it was going to survive right and you know for me 
it was always important to work to do this work in a way that valued hip hop culture, right? And 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 made hip hop culture um, be valued. You know, uh, doesn't always mean to say that it's great and everything that it's doing is good. You can be critical of hip hop culture in a way that values hip hop culture. Sure, but just to to look at these artists as serious and thoughtful and, you know, valuable and important people and to proceed from that basis. I mean, I've definitely seen journalism about hip hop that I feel like looks down on hip hop. Oh, absolutely. Right. Again, and you're especially and I was, coming and I from was, a place was, where people didn't understand it. Yeah. And I was not, I, I, not only was I not going to be part of that, but I, definitely from the beginning felt like i had to fight against that i was uh i was somebody who was providing the antidote to that perspective which was out there way too much and sometimes that perspective came from journalists who look like us right mm. not just not just critiquing the white boys um you know i mean like sometimes we too suffer from you know a lack of imagination about how dope and brilliant each of us are. Sure. I, rem- I remember, you know, because sometimes I've gotten a lot out of just, just never forgetting the humanity of the person that I'm talking to. And I think sometimes that can be easily lost. Uh, I remember when I was at Fuse, I interviewed Plies, and I said on Twitter, you know, you know, what are there any questions that people would want me to ask plies, you know, and I didn't want a bunch of jokes in my timeline, like screw your stupid jokes. I'm actually interviewing this person tomorrow. So if his fans are like, make sure you get in this, like, I want to hear that. Um, so I wrote, you know, as a tag to the tweet, like, you know, like serious questions only, you know. It didn't really mean anything by it, but it was just like, you know, just I'm trying to get to a real conversation, like stupid, screw your stupid jokes. And people were like, I remember people were like, serious questions for plies. That's ridiculous. Right. Like the (laughs) whole notion of that was ridiculous. And I went to the interview determined to take him seriously. Right. And there had been this moment where he had picked somebody out of a crowd and given them a college scholarship. Oh, and wow. I asked him if that was real. And he said, yes. And, you know, if you don't take the thought process of somebody else seriously, then you would not ask, what gave you that thought? Because right. that's not yeah, a right. normal thing that you just go around handing out or just, you know, like. And he had a great story for why he thought of that. He had gone home with all his jewels and his grandmother was like, that doesn't, your wealth doesn't mean anything unless you're helping other people. So he gave away this scholarship so that his grandmother would know and would feel like he was doing something for other people. That's amazing. And it's just, a, yeah, it's just a great story that fills in this little gesture. And, you know, you just have to believe in the thought process of these people in order to think to ask questions like that do you still consider like hip-hop artists today like are they still in your mind kind of the the cnn of the streets as chuck d um, once said no no 
it's just cha- it's no. gone so it's gone too far uh, yeah no i mean i don't i don't i surely don't feel like that i mean like you know at that time there was definitely a lot of people who were doing that like street reporter hip-hop um you know like uh you know like that nwa like sure here's what's going on in the streets and there was a real there, there was a repertorial relationship to where like i knew a new jersey artist from a houston artist you know from a you know bay artist etc you know by sound and by things they would say and their different obsessions and i don't feel like you really see that it's much more of a nationalized sound you know there's not like a new york sound um you know there's not like one la sound you know i mean there's things are much more flattened than that is that, um, is that a challenge for you in hip-hop like like do you wish there was more of that kind of localization if you will i mean you know i'm I, i'm trying to never be the you know the guy who's <laughs> like you know oh back in my day <laughs> hip-hop was better like right, right. you know i think the challenge is to accept it as it is can you accept it as it is um you know the challenge is to you know can you still like it can you still understand it can you not judge it to where oh it's beneath me because it's kid music well it's always kid music but you were a kid and now you're grown and you're making critiques of the whole music that you didn't make when you were a kid like just you know i mean like I I like hip hop and I do not look forward to the day when I'm like I don't like any of this stuff that they call hip hop. And you know, like when I find like new artists who are like taking it in like new directions and I like them, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm you know, I'm still still in this. You know, I still can hear <laughs> I still yes, yeah. it's still there. The elements are still there. Yeah, hell yeah. That's exciting, and um, the voice you're listening to, ladies and gentlemen, is the author uh, Torre, uh, author, journalist, television personality. You're doing so much stuff uh, that we're really excited about. One of the things that you are doing right now, and it's happening uh, as we go in, is the Torre Show, the podcast that has had some of the, I mean... I, I, it, I even feel bad now calling it a new podcast. You've had just a litany of amazing guests. Some of them they include Puff. You've had Puff. You've had Kendrick Lamar when you talk about artists uh, that we really like right now. You've jumped and you've had uh, Kahende Wiley. You've had Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Tell me how the Torre show came about for you and why this is just the perfect time to use this kind of podcast platform. How it came about? Um, I wanted something else to do. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I wanted to just what was the ultimate talk show for me would be me sort of sitting around talking to awesome black people and seeing what's really good. And, uh, you know, that's what I set out to do. And I just wanted to see if I could create like, you know, the ultimate black talk show of all of them. Well, and, you're, you're off to an amazing start. And I'll tell you, this isn't, when you listen to the show, one of the things that really um, stand out is you may be talking to to Puff or Kahinde or Kendrick, 
but you're really getting into what makes them successful, what makes them tick. Was that always the right. goal of the show? Yeah, yeah. To 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 talk about success, how it's achieved, um, how it's maintained, but not in that like you know like self help success mumbo jumbo sort of way, but just like. What did you do? How did you become a great singer? How did you become a great rapper? What does it mean to be, a, a, you know, a great songwriter? You know, how do you know the song is done? How do you make a chorus? Like, just like straight ahead, you know, like, you know, just really sharp things about, uh, you know, about the person's genius, about the thing that they do so well. And with some of those high-profile guests, some of them you've just met throughout your career. So, uh, is any of them surprised you? I'm sure a lot of there's nuggets of every interview, but is something really surprised you? Even the presence of one of the, the folks you're interviewing, or just kind of threw you off? Um, I mean, I can't think of anybody who threw me off because I have already had the experience of being thrown off in an interview (laughs) and I had to like make sure that that would not happen again. So I had to interrogate why that happened and, you know, put in, you know, basically systems to make sure that that would not happen again. And I've been doing it long enough at this point that it's kind of tricky for it to go off the rails because I just kind of have a lot of things that I can try and do and think to do and, you know, like I've probably seen somebody get a little upset before well, and just kind of know how to, you know, de-escalate it. And, sure. You know. And let me reframe, uh, not throw you off, Marissa, but like, has there been any kind of conversation that was just like, oh, man, I didn't. That's surprising in a, in a good way. Like, that's an awesome. Let's let's explore that. I did not think we were going to talk about that. I mean, sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like if you're really listening to somebody then you should be able to sort of hear between the lines and, you know, really, you know, I love to learn something really interesting and new about the person in the interview. You know, like I was doing one with this poker player, the second best black poker player. Absolutely. Yep. And he's talking about playing poker, but then within that, I don't remember how we started talking about his daughter and how he's a single parent. And then I was like, wait a minute, how are you a single parent? Like, where's the mom? And he explained that. And then he's like, and I never have a babysitter. And I'm like, wait a minute, like, your mom doesn't live there and you never have a babysitter? Like, <laughs> you know, he's like, yeah, I like, I quit playing poker for these last seven, eight years, whatever it is. And I'm really just taking care of her. And, you know, I mean, he works a little bit, but like he's he's scaled back his working to be with her every day, all day, all the time. Right. And, and that was that's the interview with David Williams. The pro, pro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And we and so fascinating we went off in. An, thank you. And we went off in another direction into that stuff. Um, so I'm learning something entirely new about him. I thought it was really interesting. The poker stud who's now this sort of you know, stay at home sort of dad, you know, it's interesting. Now, one of the things that always has kind of, I've been impressed with, with your interviews was that you may take, like you were saying, uh, the most extraordinary person and listening to you talk to them makes them seem fairly normal, right? Like it makes you forget that, oh man, this is really Kendrick Lamar or this is really Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Like, 
you you just kind of have this way of going back and forth uh, with the interview like it's a dance. The, do you mm. enjoy the dance? Like, do you enjoy that back and forth? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, yeah, no, we're, I mean, we're in a rhythm together. I'm paying attention to how you talk, you know, the rhythm and pace of the way that you talk. So how often am I going to be talking? You know, how do I keep you talking? Um, I mean, you know, it's like, you know, it's like when you get a ball, a basketball spinning on your finger, right? And then you have to tap it just a little bit to keep it going. And it's like that, like how few words do I need to say to like keep it going? You know, I, I don't want to have a long question and blah, 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 blah. Sure. When I could just get you back to talking with like a short question, you know, um, something precise, um, but like, you know, short. Are you enjoying this part? Like, I'm, I'm sure you enjoy the show, but the podcast nature of it, the the way that it's just, like, is this the way that you've molded the show? Is this the way you've always wanted to do a show? I mean, in terms of the oral part, yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, you know, we have, I have total uh, control over what we put out. You know, there's not. <laughs> Which always helps. With someone coming from yeah. a, look, coming from a major network, that always helps. Well, I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, I've had, I've been at other places where, you know, the work is much more controlled by others sure. and this work is not. And, uh, you know, I really appreciate that. You've been very, very generous with your time. So I'm going to, I'm going to wrap this interview up, but I do want to ask you because you're always working on multiple projects and I'm, I'm sure there is something that is coming out book wise or, or something that, uh, is coming out next. So let me know what you're doing next and then let everybody know where they can follow, subscribe. You are amazing on social media. <laughs> you're amazing on Twitter. Um, Thank you. Let, let people know where they can, what's next and where they can follow all that is Torre. I mean, you know, the, my podcast Torre show comes out every Wednesday. Um, you know, we got some awesome people coming up in terms of, you know, Susan Rogers, who was Prince's engineer, Edwin Raymond, who's an NYPD lieutenant now, who's breaking down all the ways that they get over in terms of racist practices and quotas and all sorts of stuff. Um, you know, we've got a lot of great shows coming up. So I'm excited about that. Um, I'm working with Rakim on his uh, memoir, which should Cannot be out this wait. fall. So yeah, it's, it's gonna, it's, you know, it's gonna talk about his life. It's gonna talk about his creative process, and you know, I mean, there's definitely parts in there that are like musician speak that I'm like, I don't totally understand what this <laughs> says, but I know that there's some musicians out there who will go, yeah, man, I freaking understood that. I fucking, you know, I dug that part, and like. I'm like, okay, I'm glad you understand it, and I left it in for you, even though I didn't get it. Um, <laughs> That's phenomenal. So, you know, it's just, it's just, it's, it's digging into who he is as a musician, how he became this genius writer, the stories that shaped him, the ideas that he has about music and about writing. You know, some of the stories. Sure. Know, so, no, I mean, he's so, a, he's so. a legendary interview, and in I'm sure, like, this is not something out of school, but the whole writing a song from the end first when he gets writer's block 
There's, yep. I mean, there's just so many. Uh, he's one of those guys when we talked about, when I was kind of mentioning, like, just aura and presence. Uh, yeah. You know, he, Rakim was, you know, fortunate enough, he did a show not too long ago in Petersburg, Virginia, probably a couple okay. of years ago. And I just will never forget being able to cover that show. And, like, when he just walked in the room, he's not a physically dominating guy, but when he walks in a room, it's like, the crowd parts, yeah. right? Like it's yeah. just like they yeah. all know that's that's the god right there. Yeah, oh yeah. I've got to wrap this. Thank you so much for your time. Okay. That's amazing. Uh, this is the Cheats Movement on WRIR. Please follow Torre. Follow the Torre Show, and we are just honored to have him. Uh, we'll be right back after this. Ladies and gentlemen, that is our show for this week. We have to give a huge thanks to Jim Jones and Torre. Please follow me on Instagram. It's Cheats, C-H-E-A-T-S underscore M-W-C. Send all of your comments, questions, feedback about the show to thecheatsmovement at gmail.com. We will read your comments on the air. We will answer your questions on the air. Please have a wonderful and safe holiday week. Until next time, we see it.